one. Got an update uh, just a while ago from Charlie Johnson. He's bleeding behind his kidney, so they've admitted him. And then uh, somebody said, Michael Hill is in the house. We're right over here, brother. Praise the Lord. We've been praying for this. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Thank you. And then this morning, we're blessed to have Brother Matt and Shelby Comer, uh, pastor and family from the Cowboy Church in Carthage. And I've kept up with them and know his dad real well. And, and uh, God's doing miracles in that church just like he's doing right here. And we're praising the Lord. Man, when you see God working, sometimes we think we're the only ones left. But I'm telling you, there are folk all over this country that love God. And have not bowed to this world, but they're continuing to serve the Lord. And I praise God for men of God who stand up in the pulpit and preach the word of God. In Acts chapter 4, uh, just a little background history. Chapter 1 deals with the preparation channel, uh, chapter. The followers of Jesus be begin to, to plan for the power of God to fall. If you're not ready for the power of God to fall, everybody, oh, if we just had revival. Well, if we had revival, it would upset your whole schedule. It would turn your whole family life upside down. I'm not sure we even want revival. But they're preparing for it in chapter 1. Then chapter 2 is the power chapter. The presence and the power of the Holy Spirit fill those believers. And they begin speaking. And, and then, of course, Pentecost comes. And then chapter 3 is the praise chapter. I mean, you know, a backslidden Baptist ought to praise the Lord when 3,000 are baptized. Amen. I mean, that's just a praise chapter. And then you come to chapter four and it's almost like it's a persecution chapter. The devil attack on the church begins and he begins attacking from without. If that doesn't work, then he uses people within. And uh, so Acts chapter four, verse 31, just thinking of this topic this morning, where is the power? Where's the power? I'm thinking about as Abraham went up the mountain with Isaac you know, Isaac said, uh, here, here's the wood, and, and we, we got ready for the fire, and we've got all that, but where's the sacrifice? We can't say that today because we have the sacrifice. We have the Lord Jesus Christ. We've got the sacrifice. We've got the wood. Our question today is, where's the fire? Where's the fire? Acts chapter 4, beginning in verse 31. Would you stand, please, in honor of God's holy, inspired, inerrant, all-sufficient word? You guys from Six Flags, you, you caught up on your sleep now, huh? Good, good, good. Verse 31, and when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. The multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that aught of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common, and with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. Neither was there any among them that lacked. For as many as were possessors of lands or houses, sold them, brought the prices of the things that were sold. God, we ask you this morning to just continue to let your Holy Spirit have control of this service. Thank you for your presence. We realize, Lord, that we're nothing and you're everything. We must decrease, you must increase. God, we realize this morning that unless you fall fresh on this place, everything we say in human form is useless. 
So God, would you take it, anoint it, use it for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. May souls be added to the kingdom. May folks' lives be turned around and repentance come and people uh, continue their walk with you in a way that would honor and glorify Jesus is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I don't know about you, but I marvel at the power of the early church. We have so much more than what they had, and yet it amazes me to look at how the Lord used them for his glory. 3,000 souls saved one day, 5,000 saved on another day. The Bible says in Acts 2.47 that the Lord added to his church daily, every day. And uh, the church was marked by powerful miracles, larger than any of these guys could ever perform. They knew it wasn't them. There was a time when, when they met the council and they said, look, man, uh, these guys have been with the Lord. This is not just these guys acting. They, they've been with the Lord. They've been with Jesus. They, they, they know God. The story is told, and I've told it before, but uh, Thomas Aquinas in the 12th, 1200s was visiting the Pope, and the Pope was showing them around all of the big buildings, and they walked into a room, and those tables were full of money where they were counting it from the offering. And, and the Pope looked at Thomas, and he said, No longer, Thomas. Does the church have to say silver and gold, have we none? And Thomas looked over at him and said, you're right, Pope, but no longer can we say rise up in the walk in the name of Jesus either. See, we've gotten all the riches, we've gotten all the additions, we've got all the technology, we've got enough money to do whatever we want to do, we've got the freedom to worship God, but where's the fire? Where's the fire? I mean, we're, we're all wanting it. We want it to be here. We've got a lot in our favor, but boy, we are missing the fire of God. And the early church was plugged into three areas here that if we're going to continue, now I know some of you are saying, well, preacher, your plan, 30 souls for 30 days is gone. It, it ain't going to happen. Well, I don't know. It's not 30 days up yet. And you just, you know, I know some of y'all might not want it to happen, but I want to tell you, God can still make it happen. The whole goal behind 30 souls for 30 days was not to get 30 people necessarily, but to teach us, every one of us, to begin to talk about Jesus. I mean, we talk about the Rangers. My soul, Friday night, I sat there and watched those dudes give up the game, knock two home runs, get it back, and then give it up again. And then I watched them last night. I didn't watch them but about 30 seconds. It was nine to nothing when I turned it on, and oh, dear Lord. We talk about football, baseball, we talk about weather, we talk about our grandkids, but nobody's talking about Jesus. And I'm telling you, that's the task of the New Testament church. If we're not going to proclaim Jesus, we as well as to lock up and go home. Well, three things here. Let me show them to you real quickly. Number one, they plugged into the power of prayer. <laughs> Verse 31, the Bible says, when they prayed, the place was shaken. Hallelujah. They were assembled together. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. The, the context of these verses, they came back from their meeting with the Sanhedrin. The whole assembly came together in prayer, in one mind. And when you come together in prayer, in one mind, in the name of Jesus, then the Holy Spirit can fall fresh on a group. And that's what happened here. We've been given 
And I know I don't even need to be preaching this. Every one of you in this building know that the power that we get comes from prayer. And yet I dare say praying is probably the least thing we've done this entire week. I mean, I, I, I sat down to pray this week and the phone rang. I took care of it. Shouldn't have took care of it. But it, it may have been an emergency. So I, that's still on my heart. Then uh, they said a ceiling tile fell. How does a ceiling tile just fall? Well, when a kid throws a ball up and hits it, it'll fall. <laughs> I mean, there's all kinds of distractions. The moment you sit down and you say, I'm going to pray, that's when things begin to happen. Because the devil knows if you get a little time alone with God, it'll change your mind, it'll change your attitude, it'll change everything about you. It'll change it all. We've been given so many great promises. Matthew 7, ask, it'll be given to you. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, and it'll be open. Everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it'll be open. And we Pharisees sit here and say, and people think all they got to do is ask of Jesus. Well, have you asked? Because that's what the Word of God says do. See, we're sitting around saying God not doing anything, and we're not asking anything. We're not seeking anything. I think about John 14. Whatever you ask in my name, this I'll do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Wow. James 5, 17. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. He prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three years and six months, it didn't rain. Hmm. We've been given instructions on how to pray. Don't pray like... The, the, the hypocrites do on the corners. We've been given commandments to pray. First Thessalonians 5, 17, we're to pray unceasingly without giving thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Hmm. You want to know the difference in our praying and their praying? <laughs> this is good now, but listen. We pray when we are shaken. They prayed to be shaken. Oh. We, oh, what am I going to do? And then we began to pray. They're, they're praying to be shaken. God, we want to be more for you than ever before. And the place shook. <laughs> There's a little bit of difference. See, we do pray. But when's the last time you heard somebody praying fervently? I'm talking about bringing heaven down. You say that, that's no need of that anymore where's the fire I mean we've tried everything else if I had on this stage the number of books and uh, uh, resources that Southern Baptists have put out about soul winning it would fill this stage up I'm telling you we don't need any more of that now, I'm not saying be ignorant. I'm just saying step out on faith and tell somebody about Jesus and see if God doesn't give you the words to say. See if God doesn't give you the words to be encouraging. We're taught in our theology and our organization and our doctrine, <laughs> but we're still illiterate on prayer. We've got to learn to pray together. And when we pray together, we ask God for the impossible, believing God will send it to us. 
And if we can't pray that, we're not praying. The early church had power on them because they, they prayed together. You remember in Acts chapter 12 later on, the Bible says Peter was kept in prison. But earnest prayer was made for him. He's sitting there, and the Bible says he's chained to two different soldiers there. And they're sitting there in that cell, and old Peter's asleep. And uh, you know, everybody else is asleep. Suddenly an angel comes to him and said, Peter, follow me. Say, what? And the chains are gone. And he gets up, and he follows, and the doors open. And they come to the gate of the city, and they open. And then he goes down to the house where he knows they're praying. And he knocks on the door. And the Bible says a servant girl by the name of Rhoda comes to the door. She sees Peter wanting to get in. She runs back into the house and said, guys, Peter's at the front door. Shut up, girl. You don't know what you're talking about. We're praying for Peter. He's at the door. He can't be at the door. He's in jail. We're praying for him. Does that not sound familiar? I got in the flesh and said that bad word. Please, no emails this week, please. We got to plug into prayer. It still works. It still works. One good prayer meeting in this church, when the Holy Ghost fell, would do more than 10,000 revivals. Second thing, not only we need to plug into prayer, but they plugged into the power of passion. Verse 32 tells us that the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that all of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. Wow. They're one heart and one soul. They're, they didn't live for themselves. They lived for those around them. They were lost in the needs of others rather than in the needs of themselves. It's a kind of a tough place to be. Uh, mm. When you start looking out for the needs of others, if you're not careful, you get in trouble because you let things go at your house. Mm. I'll, uh, I'll never forget. My wife's in here somewhere. I, don't, I can't see anybody, but you are in here, aren't you, honey? Anybody see my wife in here? <laughs> she told me she was in here. She had to go run an errand. She's sitting in here somewhere, I guarantee you. Anyway, she won't point herself out to me. <clears throat> Many years ago, we had some neighbors. Lady was a sweet lady, saved, knew the Lord. The man was a, he was a nice guy. He just, uh, he just was lost. And uh, he was always kind to us, but... He, he wasn't a very friendly guy. And uh, his little old dog got over in our yard and killed our poodle. Well, <clears throat> Becky was upset. I was upset too. Oh, man. I said, now, babe, we're going to have to be good to this guy. He lost. He ought to be, you know, we all are saying that, not just her. I am too, you know. And he comes to the door and he knocks on the door. And Becky answered the door. And he said, I, I'm so sorry. He was in tears. And Mr. Perryman. And he said, uh, you go buy any dog you want. I'll pay for it. I know it won't replace, but I, you get anything you want. I'll take care of it. 
And she cried with him a little bit, and she said, we, we really don't even need a dog, and just, you know, you're forgiven. Go. Two weeks later, he was saved. I told my wife over that, I was going to tell you why. One wrong move on our part, and that man may be in hell today. I'm telling you, that you got to plug into the power of passion. Does it bother you that we can have services with this many people and nobody comes down to be saved? Does it bother you that this many people claim to be Christians and members of Woodland Hills Baptist Church and yet out on the jobs people aren't being witnessed to? So we've got to have some passion. Little children, he said in 1 John 3, 18, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. We've got to put love in there that puts others ahead of ourselves. Of course, you know 1 Corinthians 13, if I speak in the tongues of men and angels but have not love, I'm like a noisy uh, gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but don't have love, I'm nothing. If I give all I have away and deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. You see, when I'm loving the Lord like I should, I'll forgive you for the times that you hurt me. That'll be second nature. When I love you as I should, I'll seek your best interest ahead of my own. I'll treat you like I should. A revival in the church of love would produce, man, a lot of changed attitudes. Because love makes us considerate of others. Love makes people more important than possessions. Love enables Christians to put away their differences. The early church was made up of people all over the world. And yet, they're in one accord. Different cultures, different backgrounds. Love produces a passion for the people who live around us. Love gives us power. The power of prayer, the power of passion. And then there's one more thing they had. They plugged into the power of proclamation. Verse 33 says, With great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Wow. Boy, the modern New Testament church needs to be marked by prayer and by love, but it also needs to be marked by proclamation of the gospel. Nobody ought to shut us up. Nobody ought to back us up. We've a story to tell to the nations is what the old song says. And God has used us and saved us for the purpose of telling other people about Jesus Christ. We've been sent out to preach that message everywhere there are sinners. And everywhere I look around, there are sinners. So we can pretty well go. There's a whole world around us that needs the Lord Jesus Christ. But the power of God is paramount. We can preach all we want to. We can teach all we want to. We can do all of that. But if there's no fire, if there's no passion, if there's no proclamation, folk don't hear. They don't hear. What happens if we plugged into power of prayer? What happens if we plugged into the passions for others? What happens if we plugged into proclaiming the gospel? I'll tell you the first thing happened. There'd be a lot of folk in this place be at this altar and get their hearts and lives right with God this morning. That would happen. 
Second thing would happen, there'd be people that would get saved. And the third thing that would happen, services would be alive. You say, well, ours are pretty lively. You ain't seen nothing yet. You let the Holy Ghost fall on a place and you won't know this place. I'm just afraid we got to get to heaven before we get to experience it. And, hmm. You know, have you ever been in one of them church services like this morning where you're saying, how much longer is he going to preach? I mean, you've looked down at the clock and you thought he'd been up there 45 minutes, but it's only 1123. Wow. Hmm? You ever been one like that? I heard about that guy that was sitting on the third row there and an old man in the back, preacher was on his third point at 115. And the old man pulled off his shoe, threw it as hard as he could at the preacher. He hit that guy on the third row, and the guy kind of shook his head and said, Hit me again. I can still hear him. <laughs> you been in those services like that? Hmm? But on the other hand, have you been in those services where the Holy Spirit of God was moving? And you look down at your watch, and you said, I can't believe we've been in here this long. Wow, what God is doing. Well, we've got a lot of advantages over the early church, but they put us to shame with their accomplishments. You know why they put us to shame? Because they understood that you've got to do the basics. Prayer, passion, love, proclamation, those are the basics. Those are the basics. Man, getting ready to start two-a-days. You know what you're going to be doing? The basics. The basics. You learn those basics over and over again. And it's just like Brother West read earlier. We've gotten so complacent. We've gotten so at ease in Zion that we've forgotten that people who die without Jesus, they don't go to purgatory. They don't pass gold. They don't collect $200. They go to hell. That's where they go. And there's nothing we can do about it after they're dead. All we can do is now while they're alive. We need to point them to Jesus. We need to get back to the basics. I, uh, this is kind of a long thing, but I've got extra time here, so I'm going to do it. It's not a gulf back here. <laughs> uh, Daryl Robinson, a uh, wonderful man of God. He was our evangelism for North American Mission Board for many years and was pastor at First Baptist Church Pasadena for many years. He wrote this in 1995. So just try to stay with me, okay? It came to pass that a group existed who called themselves fishermen. Lo, there were many fish in the waters all around. In fact, the whole area was surrounded by streams and lakes filled with fish, and the fish were hungry. Week after week, month after month, year after year, these who called themselves fishermen, they met in meetings and they talked about their call to fish, the abundance of fish, and how they might go about fishing. Year after year, they carefully did not define what fishing means, defending fishing as an occupation, and declared that fishing is always to be the primary task of the fishermen. Continually, they searched for new and better methods of fishing and for new and better definitions of fishing. Further, they said, the fishing industry exists by fishing as fire exists by burning. They loved slogans such as fishing is the task 
of every fisherman. They sponsored special meetings called Fisherman's Campaign and the month for fishermen to fish and 30 souls in 30 days. I threw that in there extra, okay? Stay away. <laughs> they sponsored costly nationwide congresses to discuss fishing and fish calls and fishing equipment and new bait. These fishermen built large, beautiful buildings called fishing headquarters. The plea was that everybody should be a fisherman and every fisherman should fish. One thing they didn't do, however, they didn't fish. In addition to meeting regularly, they organized a board to send out fishermen to other places where there were many fish. The board hired staffs and appointed committees, held many meetings to define fishing, to defend fishing, and to decide what new streams should be thought about. But the staff and the committee members did not fish. Large, elaborate, expensive training centers were built whose original and primary purpose was to teach fishermen how to fish. Over the years, the courses were offered, the needs of fish, the nature of fish, where to find fish, the psychological reactions of fish, how to approach and feed fish. This is a Southern Baptist convention all over again. Those who taught had doctorates in fishology, but the teachers did not fish. They only taught fishing. Year after year, after tedious training, many were graduated and giving fishing license. They were sent to do full-time fishing, some to distant waters, which were filled with fish. But they did not fish. Many who felt the call to be fishermen responded. They were commissioned and sent to fish. But like the fishermen back home, they never fished. They engaged in all kinds of other occupations. They built power plants to pump water for fish, tractors to plow new waterways. They made all kinds of equipment to travel here and there to look at fish hatcheries. Some said they wanted to be part of the fishing party, but they were called to furnish fishing equipment. Others felt their job was to relate to the fish in a good way so that the fish would know the difference between good and evil. Others felt like simply letting the fish know they were nice land-loving neighbors, and how loving and kind they were was enough. After one of these stirring meetings on the necessity of fishing, one young fella after the meeting went fishing. The next day he reported that he had caught two outstanding fish. He was honored for his excellent catch. He was scheduled to visit all the big meetings possible to tell how he did it. So he quit his fishing in order to have time to tell his experience to the other fishermen. He was also placed on the fisherman's general board as a person having considerable experience. It's true many of the fishermen sacrificed and put up with all kinds of difficulties. Some lived near the water. They bore the smell of dead fish every day. They received the ridicule of them who made fun of their fisherman's club and the fact that they claimed to be fishermen, yet they never fished. They wondered about those who felt it was of little use to attend the weekly meetings. Now listen to this. They wondered about those who felt like it was little use to attend the weekly meetings to talk about fishing. After all, they never fished. Now folks, if you're here visiting this morning, it is a crying shame if you go to a church and you don't hear the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ because that's what it's all about. 
If you're living next door to one of our members and you've been there 20 years and they've never told you about the gospel, I'm just going to pray for them. (laughs) I'm telling you, we've done everything that Daryl Robinson said. We've built buildings. We've got children's programs, youth ministries. We've got activities. We've got playgrounds. We've got, what do you call that little pen? Gaga pen. We, uh, listen, you name it and we got it. We got it. We're just not fishing. And that's what we're here for. Some of you old people can remember when us younger people got excited for Jesus. It was called the Jesus Movement back in the 60s and 70s. I had long hair. Hallelujah. <laughs> Those were the days. <laughs> That's what working in a Baptist church would do for you. <laughs> and a song was written. It became one of my favorite songs. It says this, it only takes a spark to get a fire going. And soon all those around can warm up to its glowing. That's how it is with God's love. Once you've experienced it, You spread his love to everyone. You want to pass it on. I'll tell you, you take it for what it's worth. But when the Holy Spirit of God falls on your life and you accept Jesus in to change you, you realize you're a sinner and you cannot save yourself. And you realize that the only way to be saved is through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you humbly bow your face before him and say, Lord Jesus, I can't save myself. I'm a sinner. But I believe you died on Calvary. I believe you rose that third day. I believe you ascended into heaven the 40th day. And I believe you're coming back. And I want you as my Lord and Savior. You do that. You listen to me. You do that. Nobody's going to have to beg you to come to worship. Nobody's going to have to beg you. I could almost say they shouldn't have to beg you to tell others about Jesus. But see, the bottom line is, in a church that's older, we get complacent. The things of the world come in. They knock the wind out of us. You say, preacher, I tried that. The guy slammed the door. Man, do you not realize you're going to get a reward for that in heaven? I love it when people slam doors. I mean, that's just like saying sick them to a bulldog. It ought to be for us. Don't be embarrassed. Remember Romans last week? I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God unto salvation. And this morning, if you're here this morning without Christ, I'll tell you the first thing you ought to do before we ever start the music, you ought to be on your way down here to say, I need to be saved. I want to be saved. I mean, I know how to do it. We'll show you how to do it. Maybe this morning, though, the greatest need we have in this church is for us. For those of us who proclaim the name of Jesus and we say we know we're saved and we're not following the works of the Lord that told us to do it. God help us. Many of you are old enough to remember when these altars used to be filled. Now, you, uh, you let one of these bombs just accidentally get loose. This afternoon and tonight, we'll have these altars filled. It'll be people, Congress will be standing on the steps. Let's pray. Let's pray. 
Guys, why don't we pray before all of that? Isn't there somebody in this place that would say, Preacher, I want to be the spark. I want to be the spark. Father, thank you this morning. How we've been blessed by the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, would you reach down, have your way. God, I pray this morning. I know in this congregation there are people that are hurting. There are people that, Father, are lonely. They, they feel like they backed up against the wall and there's nothing they can do. Oh, Lord Jesus, would you reach down and touch them? Show them if they'll come back to the altar and they'll come back to pray and have passion that, God, you can still use them again. God, I pray this morning for the loss that's in this congregation. God, may today be their day of salvation. Lord, we love you. We don't want anybody to go to hell. Lord, I know there's not a lot of things we know about you because you're perfect. Your ways are far above my ways, far above all of our ways. Your actions are not like our actions. But, Lord, there are some things that we do know about you. We do know because of the Word of God that it's not your will any perish, but all come to life. And that's speaking for every person in this congregation today. Those that are closest to death, closest to destruction, God, would you reach down and let the Holy Spirit draw them to a saving salvation today. God, have your way. <laughs> we'll praise you in the name above every name for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name. Would you stand with me as Brother West leads us? Our staff's here. You come. Christian, lead the way. Come to these all. One. Got an update uh, just a while ago from Charlie Johnson. He's bleeding behind his kidney, so they've admitted him. And then uh, somebody said Michael Hill is in the house. We're right over here, brother. Praise the Lord. We've been praying for this. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Thank you. And then this morning, we're blessed to have Brother Matt and Shelby Comer, uh, pastor and family from the Cowboy Church in Carthage.